Inside Studio 34, this is the BFFs. That is Frank Stample. I am Greg Sussman. Eric Young alongside as well. We made it halfway through the NFC South yesterday. And given the 54 minutes we have remaining, we'll get to the other half, we hope. We hope. That's exactly right, Greg. Uh, happy hump day to you, buddy. How'd you sleep last night? I slept pretty well, if I remember correctly. How's the Scott Fishbowl going today? I heard you're, uh, you're moving along very quickly now. Well, I know uh, EY is very interested in an update. Uh, so I made the last uh, the last pick of uh, last night, I believe. Uh, I texted you guys around like 11, 30, 12 or so, made my pick. Uh, since then, that was about 14 hours ago, uh, there's been one pick. Is it the same culprit as before? Yes. Oh, my goodness gracious. Same exact person. <laughs> God. We, yesterday, uh, we were on the show, and we were talking about how one person hadn't, hadn't picked for uh, six hours. Hours. Uh, now he has not picked for uh, another six hours. It was funny like five rounds ago, Greg. We are now officially the slowest draft uh, in Scott's Fishbowl. I'm sorry. This fault. must be killing you. EY, how are you, man? I'm, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, yesterday was, was fun, man. I enjoyed doing the show again with you guys. It made me think about all kinds of stuff. Fantasy football season, we're underway. We are. We're here, and it, it's awesome. It makes me super, super, super pumped uh, to have uh, you here along with us. Fantasy football season is clearly underway. We had a massive argument break out in the control room downstairs over Leonard Fournette, which is I'm excited to get to him next week. Unfortunately, we're doing the NFC South not today. The AFC not South, the AFC yeah. South. So I'd love to hear uh, coming up next week. Might have to invite uh, Sean Guasamacchia. And Steve Sadaboy. We'll get EY's thoughts on, on Fournette as well. Um, but... With just a minute to go before the break, and I'm not going to start uh, the next team yet, but any other thoughts, Frankie, when it comes to Atlanta or New Orleans since yesterday? No, I mean, nothing really stands out. I think we got to a lot of them. Like, we didn't really talk about Jared Cook. I mean, we'll have time to do that once we get into, like, position previews. So, you know, we'll get into Jared Cook and how he fits in with the New Orleans Saints. But, again, if we expect their pass volume to come down a little bit, then is there really going to be that much to go around with Jared Cook? So, when we get into the tight ends later on in the draft season, we'll talk about Jared Cook. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Eric Young, Frank Stample, and myself break down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bruce Arians back and why it matters to us. And that comes your way next. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. 
Back with you, BFFs, Frank Stample, Greg Sussman, Eric Young, alongside. Let's not waste any more time, guys. Let's get right into it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have long been a place for fantasy goodness or wanted fantasy goodness from Jameis Winston on to the running backs and certainly to Mike Evans, who was drafted uh, just a year or two ago as a top five wide receiver. Well, he's not going as that so much anymore, but now that Bruce Arians is there, everyone is back on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bandwagon. Arians got a year off to refresh himself, and now we all jump back in. So, EY, I'm going to start with you. Is it a bit premature to jump back in on a Bruce Arians offense? I mean, by the time he was done in Arizona, maybe it was based on their quarterback issues and all the injuries, but it kind of just felt like he was mentally done, that what he believed in the NFL didn't necessarily work as well as it did in his early years with the Cardinals. Again, it could be related to injuries, certainly, and it could be related uh, to just needing a mental break, but now he's in Tampa Bay. Is it all just going to go back to what we thought it should be? For me, this is a super interesting coaching change. Um, I like Bruce Arians. I loved the Cardinals. Um, I have a couple of Cardinals hats. I, I'm kind of high on the Cardinals this year just because all the interesting stories, drafting Murray in the first round and this new offense that's supposed to to be prolific and it's college style and will it work in the NFL. But Arians was, was that guy first. You know, he was doing different kinds of things five or six years ago, and, and I loved his coaching style. I think it fell off. I mean, with anything, things get stale. And, and with coaching, I think, you know, players eventually stop hearing your voice and stop doing what they're told. And you get tired of the same old things and him saying the same things. All coaches have a shelf life except for Bill Belichick, maybe. Um, so maybe it was time for him to move on. I'm hoping he comes in fresh. They are loaded with talent all over the field on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm, I'm pumped, man. Like I got Mike Evans is my 10th overall pick. Mike Evans, 10th overall on EY's big board. He is buying He is buying hard on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Frank, are you right there with him? Yeah, I am. And I think a lot of what happened with Bruce Arians, the down years that he had as their head coach, specifically their offense, was due to injuries, Greg. If you look at the five years that he was with the Cardinals, they ranked top 12 in total offense the three years that Carson Palmer was healthy. In 2014, they ranked 24th. Carson Palmer got hurt. That was the year that Drew Stanton stepped in. And then in 2017, the final season that Bruce Arians was there calling plays, uh, Carson Palmer also got hurt. And then Blaine Gabbert, we all know Blaine Gabbert, journeyman in the NFL, uh, came in, stepped in, and their offense ranked 22nd. But let's not forget, 2015, Carson Palmer put together a career year through like 35 touchdowns. Their offense finished first overall in the entire NFL. Total offense, they finished first. So... I think that there is a lot to be excited about with not only Bruce Arians' mindset, but obviously the weapons that the Tampa Bay Bucks possess because they have Jameis Winston, who obviously brings a high pedigree because of where he was drafted in the NFL draft. He hasn't been able to necessarily put it together. They have Mike Evans. They have Chris Godwin. They have Ronald Jones. And they also have O.J. Howard. So there's a lot of really interesting pieces on this offense. I'm I'm close to where EY is at. I'm very excited about 
uh, both th- this marriage of Bruce Arians' style of offense and the weapons that they have there already, Greg. All right, so let's let's start here with Mike Evans. He said he's the number 10 overall player on his board. I'm looking at, like, my Scott's Fishbowl, for instance. Mike Evans wound up being the eighth wide receiver taken. I'm not worried about where he went because of the quirky rules or whatnot. He was the eighth wide receiver taken after Hopkins, Adams, Julio, uh, Michael Thomas, Juju, um, Keenan Allen and Odell Beckham Jr. Does that sound right to you, Frank? I think that Mike Evans should live in the second round. I would probably take him ahead of Antonio Brown just because I like the Bucks' offense a little bit more. Uh, look, Antonio Brown's going to be a target monster this year, and we'll get into more of the Raiders talk when we get to the uh, AFC West. But I just think Mike Evans' potential for targets, uh, his efficiency went up last year. Uh, his potential for touchdowns, which we've you know we've seen in the past, he has two seasons of double-digit touchdowns already in his career. I mean, I looked this up before the show, Greg. There's an awesome stat on Mike Evans. He 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 joins AJ Green and Randy Moss as the only players in NFL history to start their career with five consecutive seasons of 1,000 receiving yards. So I mean, that's that's pretty good territory to be in there. We know that the talent is there with Mike Evans. Um, you know, 179 targets are gone from this team now with Adam Humphreys gone, with Deshaun Jackson gone from this team. And, you know, that's why people are buying into Chris Godwin, which we'll get into. But, look, there's a lot of targets gone, and Mike Evans was all already a target monster. So I think the potential for uh, targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns, it's all there for Mike Evans. I mean, again, it's just the marriage is perfect here for fantasy purposes, Greg. Eric, Frankie mentioned Chris Godwin, who, much like Kenny Galladay, bursted onto the scene, middle-round pick, and people were immediately excited about him. Now Tampa's clearly excited about him, with Bruce Arians as the head coach, as they didn't do anything to replace Adam Humphreys or do anything to replace Deshaun Jackson. They just said, Chris Godwin, it's your time now. How early would you draft Chris Godwin? Um, I, I feel like the hype is kind of getting out of control, but this happens with players that, that show he looked really good last year, even in a not massive role. But having Humphreys gone and and the offense is going to be different. I think they're going to throw the ball more. The running game is questionable. Um, I think with between the two guys, I think it can be serviceable. Ronald Jones is a sleeper of mine. I'm not going to pick him high or anything. But if he's there in like the mid to later rounds, I'm going to take him because of his pedigree. Obviously, last year was a nightmare, but um, Bruce Arians and whoever the number one running back, that's that's a recipe for success. So Chris Godwin, I mean, where he's going now, I think is still okay, but I think as the as it goes, he's going to keep moving up. Since July 1st in the NFFC, Chris Godwin is the 20th wide receiver off the board. That is at pick 47. Pick 47 on average. Yeah, but he, how can you argue it, though? I mean, the opportunity is there. He's going to start on the outside. I mean, he's a versatile wide receiver, too. He can move inside. We saw that last year. He could play a little bit in the slot. He could play on the outside as well. Greg, he led this team in red zone targets last year with 16, only playing 64% of the snaps. So I would imagine as, you know, he steps into an every down kind of role now as a starter and he's playing more snaps and that snap percentage, you know, gets up over 80%, 85% of the snaps. You know, more targets will be there. Obviously, you know, I mentioned how many targets are up for grabs with Adam Humphreys now gone and Deshaun Jackson now gone. He's flash. I mean, I think he could do a little bit of everything. I think he's a good route runner. I think he has strong hands. 
You know, I think he could be a possession receiver. I think they can use him in the red zone if teams are double-teaming Mike Evans. It's hard for me to really critique where he's going in drafts because at 47 ADP right now, I mean, at that 4-5 turn, he's going right around guys like DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley. These are all breakout candidates, and you can argue that his opportunity coupled with Bruce Arians' mindset and the scheme here, the fit, and, you know, what we expect James Winston to do, how can you argue with him going ahead of all those other breakout candidates? I think his opportunity is probably the best. I think this area is probably right. I think it, a lot of it does depend on what you're looking for. You're looking at a breakout. Would it surprise you if he's better than Robert Woods, Greg? I know you're the Robert Woods guy. I love Robert Woods. But there's three wide receivers in Los Angeles compared to two wide receivers for Tampa. I know O.J. OJ Howard, Howard certainly is going to get his too, but is he going to get as many targets as like the third wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams? I'm not so sure he's going to get that many targets. Is Robert Woods the third wide receiver on the Los Angeles Rams? Well, we know that they mix and match, you know, like, they're pretty consistent for the most part. Right. But most of the, like, is it, are all three of them going to go off in every single game? I guess my question is, when you look at Bruce Arians historically, has he been able to, and I don't know the answer, I'm just throwing it out there to you guys, like, has he been able to have an offense that boasts 2,000-yard type wide receivers? Because you're drafting a guy at 20 overall, you want the potential to have 1,000 yards, to have close to double-digit touchdowns. Can this offense produce that? Well, I know he did it one year with, he put together Fitzgerald and John Brown when John Brown was still in Arizona. And okay. that was John Brown's career year. Right. Where he went up over 1,000 yards. I think he had like six or seven touchdowns. Okay. Finishes like a top 24 wide receiver. And I think that's what we're expecting Chris Godwin to do. And just to piggyback off of, you know, what EY said, look, we could be excited about Ronald Jones, and we'll talk about that more when we get back. But they don't really have a run game to speak of as of now. So if they have to lean more on the pass, I think that only works in the favor of both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I think this Tampa Bay team is going to have to throw the ball even more than the Arizona Cardinals had to do in years past when Bruce Arians was with them. We'll take a break here. EY mentioned Ronald Jones as a sleeper. We'll get Frank's thoughts on that coming up next. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. With you, BFFs, if you want a two risk free wagers up to a thousand bucks, go to pointsbet.com slash grid and open up a points bet sports wagering account. Enter the promo code GRID and you'll get two risk free bets up to a thousand dollars. In addition to traditional betting, points bet also offers its own betting concept where customers are rewarded by how much they will win on their bet. For example, you bet the Colts minus three and they cover the spread minus seven. You'll receive seven times your stake. That's pointsbet.com slash grid. Enter the promo code GRID, and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $1,000 today. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 and over, NJ only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. All right. EY mentioned Rojo as a sleeper, and he's certainly not the only one to mention Ronald Jones here in year two. You're talking downstairs about Philip Lindsay in year two, and, of course, that inevitably leads to Ronald Jones, who struggled all of last year. Injuries and ineffectiveness. 
And yet, all season long, we were on the bandwagon and off the bandwagon and off the bandwagon. We kept wanting to believe. Well, you could keep believing it never, it never happened. Peyton Barber, almost from day one, held on to that job and ended the season with that job. The reports at a training camp say, or not training camp, mini camp, say Peyton Barber's still the guy. But fantasy owners, are rightfully so, look at the talent of Ronald Jones. Look at what Bruce Arians has worked with before, specifically David Johnson. And you're like, well, Ronald Jones best fits that profile. Fantasy owners right now, Frank, are getting in on Ronald Jones. And the, and the discount isn't exactly, well, huge by any means. People seem to like Ronald Jones. If you look at the running backs over the NFFC, Ronald Jones is going off the board as the 38th running back around pick 105. It's not uh, terrible. It's not outstanding, I would say. What do you think about Ronald Jones going forward? I'm interested. How can you not be, right? Everything we just said about the Tampa Bay Bucks offense, we expect them to score a lot of points this year. They're going to get down the field. Look, it's more so a vertical passing attack, but we have seen the upside of what a running back can do inside of Bruce Arians' offense. Now, I will say this. Outside of that one monstrous David Johnson season, it's not like Bruce Arians produced a ton of fantasy viable running backs. There were years where, like, Andre Ellington let us down. Chris Johnson was the starting running back in Arizona. And maybe he just didn't have the right running back for his system. And maybe, you know, once he got a guy like David Johnson, he was able to bring that to fruition. But Ronald Jones has the, has a, has the potential to start for this Tampa Bay Bucks team Heading into the season. And if you look at his ADP right now, you mentioned it, Greg. He's going around, you know, 105 ADP. He's one of the last potential starting running backs being drafted off the board right now. There was a report, you know, a couple of weeks back that uh, Greg Allman of the Athletics said that he still expects, you know, Peyton Barber to lead this team in, in rushing attempts and rushing yards. And, you know, with all due respect to, to Greg Allman, look, he's, he's around the team a lot. So he's got a pulse of what's going on there. Peyton Barber has averaged 3.8 yards per carry. In Quick question. Career. Is Greg Allman related to Dwayne Allman? I don't even know who Dwayne Allman is, Greg. Come on, EY. That's a good reference. Sorry. What? Don't know who it is. That was a, that was a Greg Allman. It was an Allman Brothers joke. Come on. Greg uh-huh. Allman, Dwayne love, Allman. L- love Allman Brothers. but hey, that was the, I, I, oh. I couldn't say that I knew their first names. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. I have like five of their records downstairs. I just don't know them on a first name basis. <laughs> well, I knew Greg Allman. So you talking about Greg Allman? Or whatever. Continue. I'm pretty sure it's spelt differently too, Greg, but we'll <laughs> let you rock for now. Uh, look, the fact of the matter comes down to where Ronald Jones is being drafted right now. It would be one of the last starting running backs uh, off the board. You're getting him at a good discount. You're getting him in the ninth, 10th round. I wouldn't want him as my RB3. I wouldn't want him starting on my team. I wouldn't even want him as my starting flex to start the year. But if I could get him as my RB4, as some depth, and with the potential to start on a really good offense where we expect him to score a lot of points... Uh, I'm not going to downplay his pedigree. Look, he was a second-round pick. But he wasn't Bruce Arians' second-round pick. That is true. I, it, was, it was the same GM, but not, Jason Licht, yeah. but not the same not the same coaching staff. So, you know, he's kind of inheriting that, too. But, again, like— He may, he may hate him. It's, it's, not like, uh, it's not like Bruce Arians wanted Peyton Barber on this team, either. Nope. But they didn't well, do like anything Bruce in Arians the offseason. wanted any of these players. He, That's true. He, yeah. He didn't pick any of these players. So, right. I mean, someone's got to play. Yeah. I don't like that argument. I think it's silly. Okay. But I, look, they, they had all offseason to go out and bring in a running back, Greg. Yes, absolutely. Draft one, you know, sign a Le'Veon Bell, sign a Mark Ingram, something like that, and they didn't. So maybe Bruce Arians likes one of these two, and Ronald Jones has the pedigree. Peyton Barber was an indra- undrafted free agent. You brought up the fact that in the past, like a guy, a guy like Andre Ellington led the way. 
But they didn't really run the ball, ultimately. Like, they tried, and it stopped. It's, not, it's, it's certainly possible they do that. But I agree, ultimately, Eli, that like, where he's going around pick 105, that's, prob- that's fine. Like, that's not costing you all that much. It's not insignificant, but it's not costing you all that much, ultimately. Let me get to O.J. Howard and Jameis Winston here. Winston, tumultuous season last year, tumultuous last couple of years, I'd say, under Dirk Cutter. This is his last shot. Essentially, under Bruce Arians. O.J. Howard in year two. Cameron Brake coming off an injury. People are really investing on both of these guys. EY, are you in on both O.J. Howard and Jameis Winston? Yeah, I think I am. And I think that just comes down to, I believe in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. And look, if I believe in their offense, I have to believe in their starting quarterback. My, my hope is that Jameis Winston has matured and has become a grown-up and, and, and is taking his craft serious he's got every tool possible big guy can move pretty decent can run a little bit can make every throw short long decent accuracy like he is a superstar quarterback I mean he has the ability to be a superstar quarterback and I think the mental side of it is the only thing stopping him and in the end in the NFL the mental side is the only thing that stops all these guys they're all freak athletes they're all playing in the NFL because they're in the five percentile of freak athletes in the world and but what separates them is their mental side their preparation uh you know being able to bounce back from mistakes things like that I think this is going to be his biggest year yet and I believe that because he's older, hoping that he's more mature, will approach the game. And he now he's back up, his back is up against the wall with professional athletes, with people in general. This is where we get to see what you're really made of. And I, I think he's going to do well. I think he's going to end up as a top 10 quarterback this year. And EY's throwing around the term freak athlete. I find it interesting because, you know, EY knows what a freak athlete looks like. I mean, he is a freak athlete himself. I work a, with a bunch of them, yeah. He works with a bunch of them. So, uh, no, you're absolutely right. Look, Jameis Winston is in a great spot here. I still have some question marks about the offensive line. They're ranked 24th according to Pro Football Focus. But in terms of the weapons, again, the weapons and the scheme and having Bruce Arians there, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, you know, I said this about Carson Wentz. It's not to the same level, but everything is set up here for Jameis Winston to have a monster year. So um, the defense is, I still don't expect the defense to be very good. They invested a lot in the draft. You know, they, they brought in some guys in the uh, free agency, Shaquille Barrett and De- uh, Dion Buchanan. But I still don't think that this defense is going to turn around right away. And, and that was... That led to a lot of the fantasy production last year is the fact that they were trailing a lot in games and they had to throw the football... Jameis Winston, look, some of the positives for him, 260 passing yards per game in his career, 7.6 yards per attempt. Those are both good numbers. Uh, he actually averaged a career high 25 rushing yards per game last season. The negatives, Greg, the turnovers. We yeah. know it. 58 career interceptions in 56 games. That's not going to get the job done. He's got to cut down on the interceptions. He can make every throw. I mean, I, I, there were a few games I watched last year with Jameis Winston he would make some of these throws that I and it's baffling to me and it's honestly it's frustrating because he can make throws in the NFL that other people can't make. And he can flat out just he can make all the throws. 
But EY is just right about it's the mental capacity. That's the step that he has to take this year, and it's really his last chance. So many different quarterbacks to choose from. Obviously, another one we're going to get to in a moment is Cam Newton, and I'm excited about him very, very much so, uh, just based on his ADP, more so uh, for me than Jameis Winston. O.J. Howard, I mentioned, and, and the tight end position always seems to be very, very tough to fill. Um, O.J. Howard has that pedigree, top 10 draft pick. He's dra- being drafted as a top five tight end right now. Does that make sense to you guys? Uh, yeah, I think it does. I-, I want one of those top six tight ends this year. It- it's it's a very obvious group. You have your tight your your top three guys in uh, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle, and then you have that next tier of really talented tight ends that we expect to make that next step in OJ Howard, Hunter Henry, and we spoke Evan about Ingram. Evan Ingram the other day as well. Uh, but I have a little stat here for you when it comes to OJ Howard, Greg, and it is. With Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys still on the team last year, his 16-game pace was 55 receptions, 900 yards, and 8 touchdowns. Superb. They're now gone. Again, it's 179 targets up for grabs. So I know that typically in years past, <clears throat> excuse me, Bruce Arians hasn't really used the tight end all that much, but he's never had a tight end this good. Um, and we know that O.J. Howard's going to be on the field a lot because he's a really good pass blocker, and you know he could play the slot. He can play on the outside as well. It's just really, really versatile uh, tight end here. And I think he's one of the, you know, top... We're talking about physical freaks. I, I think he's one of the top two, three among the tight end position in the NFL. I think everything is set up for O.J. Howard to have a monster year. I haven't done my rankings yet, but I think off the top of my head, I would rather have him over both Engram and Hunter Henry. He's probably going to be my tight end four once the, once the rankings get published, Greg. All right, and EYU said you had no problem either, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this guy's a freak. I think he may, might be the best athlete at the tight end position overall. Um, he's got everything that makes a superstar tight end. He's proven that he can do it. They just got to get him the ball, and he's got to stay on the field. All right, we got about a minute remaining. I want to get to Carolina on the other side. So, is there anything else with Tampa Bay that we need to know about, guys? Well, we didn't really talk about Peyton Barber. He is going sure. about like 30, 35 picks later than Ronald Jones. Look. There's nothing to be excited here in terms of upside, and for PPR leagues, offers next to nothing. But, you know, if you take Ronald Jones, it's very easy to just lock up the Tampa Bay backfield, Greg. You can invest your ninth and 11th round picks or ninth and 12th round picks, and you have the Tampa Bay backfield. So I just thought it was worth mentioning, you know, based on the report from Greg Allman, who still expects Peyton Barber to be the starting running back. Still Dwayne's brother. He's just going super late. So I don't really want him. There's not a lot of upside. But it's very easy to lock up both Tampa Bay running backs this year. We talked about how hard it is to do with some of these other backfields, potentially. Yeah, I mean, with the Rams, you have to use your first and your sixth round picks right now. Crazy. We'll take the break. We'll come back. Carolina is up next. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. So we're back. The BFFs, Eric Young, Frank Stample, Greg Sussman. 
We're done with Tampa Bay. One last team left in that NFC South to get to, and it's the Carolina Panthers. And I mentioned before that I once again feel that Cam Newton is an undervalued commodity. If you look at the NFFC again since the beginning of July, Cam Newton is not being drafted as a top 10 quarterback. He's being drafted at number 12, right barely in front of Kyler Murray. This is the Cam Newton that a year ago, or two years ago, was number one quarterback in the league. We had conversations that you got to draft this guy inside the top five quarterbacks going forward. I get it. Major injury issues. But this offense, we talk about things changing. We talk about being smart. This offense is the same as it's always been. I know the Turners are there now, just as they were last year. But if he's healthy, you know Cam's going to run. You know he's going to fall into the end zone. It's what he does. I think getting Cam Newton as the 12th quarterback off the board, I love it, man. You're going to even pick 103 right around where you're getting Ronald Jones. Give me Cam Newton every time. That if he's healthy, Greg, is a very big if, though. There's a lot of players you can say that about. It's true, but with a quarterback specifically, arthroscopic shoulder surgery in the offseason, they labeled it as a cleanup, whatever that yeah, means. Yeah, it's cleanup. Yeah, it's a cleanup, you know? Yeah, you just, you know, spray a little, uh, you know, something on it. You clean it up, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it really works that way, Greg, but here's what I'll say about Cam Newton. I think he, t- he took strides forward last year in terms of his completion percentage. Obviously, a lot of that was just throwing dump-offs to Christian McCaffrey, but 67.9% completion, that was a massive, massive uptick for him in Norv Turner's offense. I really thought Norv Turner did a great job in getting the most out of Cam Newton, getting the most out of Christian McCaffrey and the rest of their weapons, but his ability to run is going to be dependent on how healthy he is, Greg, and we saw that last year. In his first eight games, 9.1 rushing attempts per game, 42.8 rushing yards per game. All four of his rushing touchdowns came during that nine-game stretch. His... His next, his next six games, 4.6 rushing attempts per game, 24.3 rushing yards per game. So, I mean, look, the, the, the numbers went down tremendously. Zero rushing touchdowns. And during that stretch, he was QB 12. The first eight games that he played, he was QB 2 overall. So, so much of his value is just dependent on if he's healthy enough to run. And the fact that we have this question mark about him coming off shoulder surgery, I agree with you that you're getting him at a really nice discount, Greg. I'm more willing to take Cam Newton in a one-quarterback league because I'm going to be confident in my ability to get a serviceable backup for him in case he gets hurt. But if I play in Superflex and Cam Newton goes down and he's one of my quarterbacks or my Superflex, I'm screwed. So I'm more apt to take him in a one-quarterback league where I can get a really good backup for him, Greg. What do you think about Cam Newton this year, Eric? Yeah, I think with that style of play and with, with, I mean, the way he's played his entire career, college and pro is, is it's not if he's going to get hurt, it's when he's going to get hurt. As far as a single quarterback redraft league, look, Kim Newton is a fantasy stud with the touchdowns, running the ball, um, having McCaffrey there where he can just do these small dumps and McCaffrey can take it, you know, 10, 15, 20, 40 yards. Th- that's how his, his stats improve. Like, I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. Who do I throw it to? I throw it to the best player on the field. That, that, that makes complete sense to me. But Cam, it, it's a huge risk. It can be a huge reward, but you have to be ready to put someone else in. My suggestion is maybe even taking another quarterback at the at the end of your draft. If there's a good one available, then that way you know you have somebody and you don't have to scoop off some plug off the off the, the waiver wire week five or six. Kind of like what you were saying, Frank. Make sure you have a 
good backup and not some scrub that you're plugging off the waiver wire later in the year because of that injury risk that Cam Newton presents. Now, Eric was saying that smart strategy. You just dump the ball off to your best player and kind of let him do his thing. Now, I don't really want to go into Christian McCaffrey all too much because we talked about Kamara yesterday. Got it. There's nobody else there. He's a top three pick. You can make the case for him at number one, number two, number three. I don't want to have the argument. We have not enough time to do it. But I want to talk about who else Cam Newton's going to dump that ball off to outside of CMC. And that's DJ Moore, and that's Curtis Samuel. Kelvin Benjamin was drafted several years ago to be the number one wide receiver. And he was for about a year. Devin Funches was drafted to replace Kelvin Benjamin. And he did for about a year. Neither of those guys are there anymore. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are the number one, number two wide receivers, theoretically, on this team. Their fantasy values kind of up in the air right now. Eric, if you had to pick one of those players, Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore, in a vacuum, who would you rather draft? I feel like the more valuable is Curtis Samuel because you can get him way later. And, and I mean, I don't think anyone, honestly, could tell you which one of those guys is going to pan out. They're kind of the same type of receiver. Um, with with Funches and Benjamin, those were guys, they run down the, the field, he throws it, they jump up in the air, and they fall into the end zone. That's the kind of receivers that both of those guys were. These guys are much different. They can line up all over the field. They can play outside. They can play slot. But they're not big bodies, neither of them. Um, so for me, I, I would pick more first if he fell to me far enough. But I think the better value is Curtis Samuel because Curtis Samuel could end up being the number one wide receiver there in Carolina. The number one wide receiver is going to be Christian McCaffrey, by the way. That's true. Yeah, the number one receiver on this team is going to be McCaffrey. We saw that last year. He led all running backs in targets and receptions. Uh, 107 receptions for Christian McCaffrey last year. If you got those numbers out of your wide receiver, you'd be happy, let uh, let alone from a running back. Uh, but I, I do agree with EY in terms of the value right now. Curtis Samuel does present more value. True story, Greg. We are going to do a FanDuel hurry-up video today where I will present six busts. And originally, I had DJ Moore as one of my busts. I started looking into him, and the more I looked into him, I realized there's not really much that, much that I could say bad about DJ Moore outside of where he's being drafted right now. And even that, we mentioned it earlier, he's being drafted right around Chris Godwin. Yep. All the breakout wide receivers are going that same range. It's, you know, it's that 4-5 turn. It's late 4th, early 5th round. And when you draft them there, that's the 4th or 5th round, you can't have them bust. Like, to me, you need that safety at 4-5 because if they bust, you're screwed. But you can pretty much say that about all those wide receivers being there. Like, is there a safe wide receiver there? It's, you know, it's a lot of guys we're expecting to take that next step. It's Calvin Ridley. It's Tyler Lockett. It's Chris Godwin. You know, it's guys that we haven't necessarily seen do it over the course of a full season. So if you go a little bit, if you go a little bit later yep. than that, like someone like Cooper Cup is probably safer. That's probably true, but coming right? off a torn ACL. Is Tyler Lockett safer? He's probably safer because we kind of saw him do it last year, but just on really low volume. He was like record-setting efficiency. Tyler Lockett was last year. I think he finished as a top 20 wide receiver. He didn't even have 100 targets last year. So, again, we'll get into that when we get to the NFC West. But, look, a lot of these wide receivers are going in the same range. And I think DJ Moore has the opportunity to break out here, Greg, because I think outside of McCaffrey, he's probably going to be the second most targeted player on this team. I think he is a – and it's not a knock on Curtis Samuel. I think – DJ Moore is a more complete wide receiver than... Well, he went to Maryland. It makes sense. Uh, yeah, but... Yeah. But it was drafted in the first round, uh, DJ Moore was, and over the final nine weeks of the season, 
he played over 80% of the snaps in eight of those games. And, and, you know, we start to saw him take off a little bit. 13th in the NFL in yards after after the catch. Meanwhile, he wasn't even a full-time starter for the most of the season. So he's dangerous in that regard. 9.6 yards per target. That was 19th among wide receivers. So he makes the most of his opportunity. Originally, I thought he was going too high, but when you compare him to other wide receivers going in that range, I understand why people are excited about DJ Moore. If I had to choose who's the better value right now, it's 100% Curtis Samuel. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's going 60 picks later right now, and he could have a similar opportunity to DJ Moore. A Swiss Army knife, you know, they can line him up in the backfield, get a few rushing attempts. They can use him for uh, end-arounds, screen plays, quick slants. Uh, He can catch the ball down the field as well. I mean, really two versatile wide receivers. I'd rather have Curtis Samuel for the value, but... I can't really get mad at people for expecting the breakout from DJ Moore as well. I do want to mention also on this team, outside of DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, you have Torrey Smith, you have Jarius Wright, who comes over from Minnesota, and it's still Chris Hogan season. Chris Hogan, member of the Carolina Panthers as well. So there's a lot of names there. But the, but the two that you trust most that are going to be on the field consistently as your two starting wide receivers... It's going to be Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. At least that's what I So I think so, but I will say this. On OurLads.com, which is an NFL scouting service, they have Curtis Samuel listed as the the third wide receiver behind DJ Moore, like behind Torrey Smith. There's there's just a lot of names there. I mean, a lot of NFL teams uh, use three wide receiver sets often now. Definitely. And and they could all move around. Like Curtis Samuel could play in the slot. DJ Moore could play in the slot. But with Moore, Smith, Samuel, Wright, and Hogan, it's a lot of like... Similar guys, like, I don't know. I just don't expect Chris Hogan or Torrey Smith or Jarius Wright Wright to really demand any targets. I don't really think that any of them have done anything in their career. I mean, you know, Sands, Torrey Smith, a couple of years with the Ravens, but I don't know that any of those wide receivers at this point in their career, what they've done, what their pedigree is, just overall their skill level, do they deserve to get that massive target share? Uh, The answer for me would be no, so that's why I think Samuel and DJ Moore are entrenched as the top two wide receivers on this team and should get the most opportunity in that regard. Would either of you guys, I'll start with you, EY, are you taking a chance on Greg Olson here? I don't think so, man. I mean, okay. I don't, you just don't retire and then come back and, and are efficient. I just, I just don't believe that he's going to be who he was. Uh, Ian Thomas is interesting to me because I feel like uh, the Carolina Panthers are a team that throws to the tight end, especially in the red zone. And I don't know if that was because Greg Olson was so good, but I feel like that scheme is is set with all those kind of like, not gadget players, but like what Frank said, kind of Swiss Army knife players, and you're kind of moving them all around. And there is no real big body on the team. What about you, Frank? Ian Ian Thomas could be a touchdown guy. Okay. Yeah, I don't really have much interest in Greg Olson. I actually kind of wish that Greg Olson would have retired because then uh, Ian Thomas would be the starting tight end, and he kind of flashed a little bit down the stretch. I mean, three of his last four games, he was either seventy over 75 yards or scored a touchdown in three of those four games. So he flashed a little bit. Uh, he had some pedigree coming out of college as well. I mean, he was a productive college player. There was a lot expected from Ian Thomas. And I think maybe eventually, he's still only 23 years old, he could develop into a fantasy viable tight end. So for those who play in dynasty leagues or, you know, deeper keeper leagues where, you know, tight ends get a premium or anything like that, then I would have interest in Ian Thomas for the future. I just don't know if it's going to happen this year, barring, uh, unless Greg Olson gets hurt. I just don't know that it's going to happen. But yeah. I, don't, I don't really have much interest in Greg Olson because this offense has changed. Everything used to go through him. 
but now he's really fourth in the pecking order behind McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel. Is Cameron Artis Payne the handcuffed Christian McCaffrey? I guess, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess. It's, I mean, the guy. Look, Christian McCaffrey. I was going to mention this stat earlier on, and it's it's not one that comes from me. It's actually from Ben Gretsch. Follow him on Twitter at Yards Per Gretsch. Also of, an Almond brother, I believe. Of uh, I, I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> uh, CB, uh, he works <laughs> with CBS Sports. He had this awesome stat about Christian McCaffrey. He played 100 percent of the snaps eight different times last year. That was done only three other times by all the running backs in the NFL combined. So that kind of usage is exactly why Christian McCaffrey goes as one of the top four running backs and can flirt with being the top running back because he plays as many snaps as he does. They don't really have a serviceable backup. They're not really going to take him off the field. And if you've seen any pictures of him in the offseason, he basically looks like a white miniature version of the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> it's insane. Like you might be able to get you yeah. might be able to work him into like a WWE contract if you wanted to, EY, because Honestly, Christian McCaffrey is jacked out of his mind now. Yeah, it's it's madness, man. And I'll say this. Uh, he was a guy that I don't think I was ever super high on. Um, just thought that maybe he wouldn't be able to hold up. But, um, man, he won a season last year, and I think he's going to be a beast again this year. All right. You hear Updated the show. my Scott Fishbowl. Just, just took Jimmy Garoppolo in the seventh round. Nice. I like it. Jimmy, Jimmy G as your second quarterback. Let's go. Speaking of Jimmy G. Yeah. Probably should talk about it tomorrow. quarterback run. Like, it's crazy. Everyone's gone. NFC West tomorrow. Let's do it. Let's do it. EY right. will be here. Frank will be here. And I'll be here, too. And we'll, hopefully you will be as well. BFFs, we'll be back tomorrow. We, we hope. hope. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the elite package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or elite package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Here's what you missed on the BFFs. Mike Evans, 10th overall on EY's big board. He is buying He is buying hard on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Frankly, you're right there with him. Yeah, I am. And I think a lot of what happened with Bruce Arians, the down years that he had as their head coach, specifically their offense, was due to injuries, Greg. If you look at the five years that he was with the Cardinals, they ranked top 12 in total offense the three years that Carson Palmer was healthy. In 2014, they ranked 24th. Carson Palmer got hurt. That was the year that Drew Stanton stepped in. And then in 2017, the final season that Bruce Arians was there calling plays, uh, Carson Palmer also got hurt. And then Blaine Gabbert, we all know Blaine Gabbert, journeyman in the NFL, uh, came in, stepped in, and their offense ranked 22nd. But let's not forget, 2015, Carson Palmer put together a career year through like 35 touchdowns. Their offense finished first overall in the entire NFL. Total offense, they finished first. So uh, I, I think that there is a lot to be excited about with not only Bruce Arians' mindset, but obviously the weapons that the Tampa Bay Bucks possess because they have Jameis Winston, who obviously brings a high pedigree because of where he was drafted in the NFL draft. He hasn't been able to necessarily put it together. They have Mike Evans. They have Chris Godwin. They have Ronald Jones. And they also have O.J. Howard. So there's a lot of really interesting pieces on this offense. I'm, I'm close to where EY is at. I'm very excited about 
uh, both th- this marriage of Bruce Arians' style of offense and the weapons that they have there already, Greg. All right, so let's let's start here with Mike Evans. He said he's the number 10 overall player on his board. I'm looking at, like, my Scott's Fishbowl, for instance. Mike Evans wound up being the eighth wide receiver taken. I'm not worried about where he went because of the quirky rules or whatnot. He was the eighth wide receiver taken after Hopkins, Adams, Julio, uh, Michael Thomas, Juju, um, Keenan Allen, and Odell Beckham Jr. Does that sound right to you, Frank? Mike Evans should live in the second round. I would probably take him ahead of Antonio Brown just because I like the Bucks' offense a little bit more. Uh, look, Antonio Brown's going to be a target monster this year, and we'll get into more of the Raiders talk when we get to the uh, AFC West. But I just think Mike Evans' potential for targets – uh, his efficiency went up last year. Uh, his potential for touchdowns, which we've you know we've seen in the past, he has two seasons of double-digit touchdowns already in his career. I mean, I looked this up before the show, Greg. There's an awesome stat on Mike Evans. He 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 joins AJ Green and Randy Moss as the only players in NFL history to start their career with five consecutive seasons of 1,000 receiving yards. So I mean, that's that's pretty good territory to be in there. We know that the talent is there with Mike Evans. Um, you know, 179 targets are gone from this team now with Adam Humphreys gone, with Deshaun Jackson gone from this team. And, you know, that's why people are buying into Chris Godwin, which we'll get into. But look, there's a lot of targets gone, and Mike Evans was all already a target monster. So I think the potential for uh, targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns, it's all there 